The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome to America's Web Radio. This is Ron Bachman, and you're listening to Healthcare Insight. Now, if you've recently joined this podcast, this radio program, you'll know that we're not just talking about health care in the sense of health insurance. We're talking about the health and health care of the country, uh, the current political environment, foreign policy, domestic policy, uh, various aspects of the health of this country. Now, the podcast and radio program was originally designed around health care and health insurance, but we're so far from that that we had changed directions more than a year ago without changing the name of the podcast. So uh, we're glad to have you here if you are looking for uh, something else. But you'll, I think you'll find this radio program exciting and interesting and informative. And today in particular, I want to delve into what I think is going to be one of the leading candidates for president of the Republican Party in 2024. If you haven't seen or read his book, Mike Pence has got a terrific book that I've, I'm in the middle of reading, but I am so impressed with it that I wanted to do a program today on former Vice President Mike Pence. He's written a book called So Help Me God. And I've always been impressed with the faith and family focus of Mike Pence. And I believe with most of the troubles and problems of this country, uh, the diminishing of faith in this country, fewer people attending church, fewer people identifying themselves as Christians in particular, uh, but of faith in general, of believing that there's something bigger than ourselves is a major problem in this country that has led us down this path of oppressors and being oppressed and critical race theory and the division in this country. Uh, we don't assume the best of people. We assume the worst. And that has divided our country, unfortunately, in so many different ways. So I want to talk about Vice President Mike Pence and this book that he's written. And there is an interview that you can see from the American Enterprise Institute on YouTube that I want to take parts of and I want to emphasize and talk through some of the responses that he makes and my belief that there is a real opening and opportunity for someone of such strong faith. But I also believe that that's a a danger that too many people in this country will just automatically dismiss somebody as being a Christian and we shouldn't elevate them to the presidency at this point in our our history and our times and our culture and where we're going. But I think the opposite is probably true, that we need more uh, faith, more honesty, more openness, more transparency that somebody like Mike Pence can bring to the table. Uh, He may even reach across party lines because so many people um, were impressed with what he did and how he held to the constitutional role that he had on January 6th, Democrats have made such a big part of their campaign against Republicans on what Donald Trump did on uh, January 6th and what his followers did in in uh, the riots that occurred uh, at the uh, at the Capitol. 
and what happened in the video and the presentations and the looking back of so many candidates in 2022 on trying to argue uh, about what happened on January 6th or what happened in the past. And he is a much more forward thinking, more forward thinking, open uh, politician, very unusual in this point in time. So I want to highlight Mike Pence and his book, So Help Me God. So let me start with the first question of, um, of, of Vice President Pence. In this book, you've made it very personal. Uh, you've you've uh, highlighted in so many different areas of your book the family and faith that you have. You've also expressed very openly about the failures that you've had and have repented from the mistakes you've made in the past, which most politicians don't do. So, um, uh, Vice President Pence, tell us about this book and why you made it so personal. How did it come that when most politicians don't write about their personal lives, if they're going to be running for a higher office, they want to talk about how great and wonderful they are and all their past accomplishments, but don't tend to focus as much as you have on family. So tell us about that, if you would, please. You know, when uh, when I was talking to publishers about two years ago after leaving the White House, um, I was... Uh, I was in one conversation with uh, Simon and Schuster that I would eventually sign with, um, and they uh, many many of the companies that talked to me about doing a book were mostly interested in our White House years, and I, that was understandable. Um, uh, but I'll never forget uh, the publisher looked at me and said, "You know, we think you're kind of different." <laughs> and I said, "Well, thanks." <laughs> and they said, "We think." We think Indiana has a lot to do with that. We think your faith and your family, you know, have everything to do with kind of your approach to public life. And, and they said the story we'd like to publish is your whole life story. Um, and I'm, I'm grateful to Simon and Schuster for the opportunity to do that because in, in so many ways, while I think the majority of the book is about our White House years and, and a record that I'm incredibly proud of that rebuilt our military, revived our economy, appointed conservatives to our courts at every level, um, including three Supreme Court justices that I deeply admire. Um, but before that, it, it, it is a story about growing up in a small town in Indiana, um, son of a combat veteran, uh, and uh, a first-generation Irish-American. Uh, my grandfather immigrated to this country, came through Ellis Island, and and how that upbringing shaped me, my my worldview, uh, my, my belief in this country and in the American dream. It's a story about how uh, I made a decision to put my faith in Jesus Christ as a young man in college and, um, and uh, met the girl of my dreams, married her, 37 years ago, and then had three incredible kids. And along the way, failed early in politics, but learned lessons and tried to tried to put um, that upbringing and that faith and commitment to family all into effect in my years in the Congress and as governor uh, and as vice president of the United States. And so for me, so help me God, is it, I hope it's... Uh, uh, a book about um, uh, about uh, a story of just an average American who's had extraordinary opportunities, but been sustained by a family, and by an upbringing, uh, and and by faith every step of the way. Now I know a lot of people and detractors of 
Mike Pence or people who are on the Democratic or the liberal side will just dismiss um, his story and his background as just a politician latching on to some uh, religious belief and painting some picture of a holier-than-thou kind of an individual uh, trying to gain some traction on a potential political run in 2024. But if you've actually stepped back and take away those blinders of partisanship and look at Mike Pence, the man, read his book, look at his history, look at what he's done, look at the loyalty he's had to the Constitution, his belief in what he was supposed to do even on January 6th, let alone all the roles that he took on during the uh, Trump administration. Uh, You'll find a man who is sincere, who is honest, somebody who could reach people who are open to that kind of honesty and respect for um, his family, respect for his faith, respect for his country, respect for the Constitution. And that may be exactly the kind of person we need. You know, in higher political office, especially the presidency, many times the man makes the office and you have a powerful figure that comes in and just sort of dominates and takes over and in some ways, that may have been Donald Trump. There are other times when the times sort of seek out the individual. And I think at the moment, we need somebody to heal this country, somebody that both sides can say, that's an honest man. Now, I think a lot of people who voted for uh, President Biden thought that he was an honest man. But we've learned over time how many times he has distorted misinformation, covered up, um, and has not been truthful to the American people. And it's obvious that he's getting older. He's forgetful. Uh, this whole thing with the documents in his garage, in his house, in his um, uh, you know, uh, Penn Biden Center kind of highlight all that. His, his bad judgments in areas like Afghanistan and the uh, energy uh, policies that he's put in place, additional regulations, higher taxes, inflation, all that sort of points to that we need something different. The country uh, knows we need to go in a different direction. And is that direction of Mike Pence? Well, we'll find out. The voters will ultimately tell. But I can I can say this as somebody who has been reading his book, who has studied him over some time, that this is truly an honest man with great sincerity. So my President Pence, let me ask you about the parts in your book around January 6th when you were under enormous pressure uh, to leave the Capitol. Um, Did you do that because you had your daughters there, your wife was there, and you didn't want to let them down as well as not letting down the constitutional role that you firmly believed was your responsibility to conduct the Electoral College vote on January 6th? Well, I'm incredibly proud of my daughters, but don't don't leave out my son, who's a captain in the United <laughs> States Marine Corps. But I actually write in So Help Me God about um, in the days uh, leading up to that day in January, my family was all together. We'd taken time away over Christmas out west doing a little skiing. And I was sitting across the table from my son, uh, who's uh, been in the Marine Corps now for about seven years. He's a He's a pilot. And a captain. And uh, uh, my son, unlike his father, is a man of few words. <laughs> but he looked at me at one point and he said, 
Dad, you took the same oath I took and nothing else matters. And it made me proud as a father that he said that to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so but it was also an important moment for me. I mean, every member of the Armed Forces of the United States takes an oath very similar to the one that that every member of Congress takes, presidents and vice presidents, governors around the country and elected officials. That is simply to put your hand on a Bible, raise your right hand, and make a place to support and defend the Constitution of the United States. And those members of our armed forces, of which one of my unworthy son-in-laws, also a lieutenant in the United States Navy, <laughs> uh, they actually don't get to say that... Uh, um, that's a hard assignment, and I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Or they don't get to tell their commanding officer, you know what? I actually, I actually have a different opinion about yeah. whether we're going to yeah. take that hill. Um, they're given their assignment, and they go out uh, with little regard for their personal safety. And we have men and women today all around the world who are keeping their oath. And uh, by God's grace and the support of my family, we uh, we sought to do that on that fateful day. Well, I don't care what political party you are a part of. That man is honest and sincere. And how many politicians really will abide by the promises that they make to their constituents, to the voters, and to the promises they make to uphold the Constitution and take that seriously and put it into practice? Well, let's take a quick break. I want to come back and complete the story of Mike Pence and his book. His book is entitled... So help me God, and I don't think there could be a better title he could have chosen for that either. So let's take a quick commercial break, and we will be right back. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. It's a museum, it's a showroom, it's an experience. The Classic Auto Mall in Morgantown, Pennsylvania is 336,000 square feet of rare, custom, and specialty automobiles on display and on consignment. From the earliest production cars to modern exotics, Classic Auto Mall is a feast for the eyes and the memories. Stroll through time in any season in this climate-controlled facility that you simply have to see to believe. Admission is free. Just remember to bring comfortable shoes. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio. Again, you're listening to Healthcare Insight, and today we are focused on former Vice President Mike Pence. Um, he is a likely candidate, maybe a major candidate, maybe the major candidate for the Republican Party for president in 2024. Uh, as he prepares to make that run, to make that decision, um, he's written a book called um, So Help Me God. It's a great book. I'm in the middle of reading it, and I want to highlight his discussion of that book and some of the background stories leading up to some of the key passages that highlight who he is, how he came to believe what he believes, why he is so loyal to the Constitution, and how he operated under that loyalty um, as the 
Trump presidency began of being loyal to the president of the United States to carry out the policies. He's very proud of the policies of the Trump administration. He makes no attempt to separate himself from the policies. He does claim he is a different personality, a different man than President Trump, a different approach to getting things done, but he firmly believes that the policies enacted during the Trump-Pence administration, as he openly calls it, um, were the right policies, the right conservative solutions for many of the problems this country faced then, and the right solutions for what this country faces today. I want to focus specifically on the idea of the character of this man, because I think that's the first thing that anybody with an open mind would look at. What kind of man is this? What makes up this man's beliefs? Because he's going to be put in positions if he does get to the presidency, ultimately. He's going to make decisions on topics and issues and circumstances and conditions that none of us know about today. But he's got to take those principles of loyalty to the Constitution, of faith in God, of faith in family, of faith in the American people, uh, to make those decisions ultimately. You know, we used to believe that character matters. And then we had a number of characters in the White House that uh, did not necessarily have a particularly good uh, background and were very colorful characters and maybe were right for those times. But today... The idea of character, I think, is even more important because even as Martin Luther King said, and I think I'm quoting him properly, um, judge not by the color of the skin, but by the content of the character. And so the content of Mike Pence's character is enormously impressive to me. And I know that people who uh, went to the Capitol on January 6th, and I'll call it a riot. I don't believe it was an insurrection that you don't walk in as they did. They weren't carrying guns or weapons, um, but they were threatening, in particular, Mike Pence to get him to overturn the election. And they were talking about hang Mike Pence. So I understand that there are some Trump loyalists out there on what I think is the extreme part of the Trump um, loyalty group. Um, I consider myself a Trump follower, a believer in his policies, but he did, I think, uh, distort and ruin his reputation from the events of January 6th. And Mike Pence stood in that trench and made the decisions that he was going to follow the Constitution and to do his duty that he couldn't individually overturn an election. So policy matters. And so I want to take this time here to ask uh, Vice President about some foreign policy issues because we are in danger. We People talk about being on the precipice of an apocalypse, a nuclear war, a World War III. So let me ask the vice president, if uh, President Zelensky of Ukraine came and asked you for everything he needed to defeat the Russians, not troops, but all the equipment, all the military capabilities that we have at our disposal that we've developed and built, what would you do? How would you answer President Zelensky with that kind of a broad request uh, for the protection of his country in fighting against the Russian army's invasion? Well, I had the privilege of uh, not just meeting, but becoming acquainted with President Zelensky. Um, and uh, we, we developed a very warm rapport. I remember I write about in the book how after we'd spent some time together, 
Um, we were at the UN months later, and he cut all the way across the dining room so he could meet Karen and say hello. Yeah, yeah. And I must tell you, from the first time I met him, I sensed his quality. Um, I didn't know what to expect. I thought a comedian, television star, becoming president. I didn't know what. But but I sensed his love for his country from the first time we sat down. I sensed his seriousness about leading his country. But I, I still marveled at his personal courage. One of my favorite quotes in a long time was when President Biden <laughs> apparently offered to send a plane, and President Zelensky said, we don't need a plane, we need ammunition. Well, let me let me say, the United States of America is the leader of the free world. I've looked Vladimir Putin in the eye and told him things that he didn't want to hear. Putin only understands power. And it's absolutely essential that the United States of America send an unambiguous message of support that our country and Western nations will stand with the people of Ukraine until Russia is defeated and their sovereignty is restored. Well, let me comment on the vice president's uh, statements there, because I love the idea that he wants to protect freedom and democracy. I'm not sure how democratic Ukraine is, but the pushback against Putin and strength needed to keep him in sort of in his corner, we may have gone past and lost because Biden didn't uh, draw that red line that he almost indicated it would be okay if Russia uh, took parts of Crimea and they didn't invade very much was the way Biden put it. So any Republican taking over the White House in 2024 is going to have to deal with the current situation, not what could have been. I don't think for example, that Putin would have invaded Ukraine if Donald Trump had been president. I don't know if he would have invaded if any Republican who is almost always very strong on national defense and sending out the message of strength, if any uh, Republican president um, uh, in office probably would have deterred uh, Putin. Uh, But Putin saw a weakness in President Biden. But at this point, I am concerned that if we get closer and closer to a direct face-off with Russia, that Russia does have nuclear weapons. Uh, we know that their ground troops and their armies that they're using against Ukraine have been a total mess for them. They haven't had the, the training, the loyalty, the equipment that maybe many thought uh, because they thought Russia would be able to just walk over Ukraine in a couple of days. And now it's been months and months and months and before too long, it could be years. But as we inch closer to giving more support, it's more of a direct conflict. And that worries me. So I'm not sure how that gets resolved. I can't resolve it. Obviously, you can't resolve it as listeners out there. But we need to vote people in the office who will uh, keep us out of that kind of uh, catastrophic conflict with a crazy man. But at the same time, find a way to uh, corral him around um, the limitations that ought to be put in place to prevent somebody like that from destroying the world and uh, expanding his um, his uh, powerful interests that he has. So uh, I hope Mike Pence is that. I, I'm not convinced of where we go and how that happens. But let me change courses now with uh, the Vice President Pence and um, talk about trade issues. Um, what is your worldview 
of today's uh, trade issues, some of which the Biden administration apparently has kept in place and others that he has eliminated. Uh, how do we deal with trade issues internationally? Well, I always had the view that trade means jobs, and it does. I'm an, I'm, I've read enough of Adam Smith to understand <laughs> the, the vitality and importance of trade to free market economics and the value of lower cost of goods for consumers that comes from it. And during my years in Congress, I always free trade initiatives reflexively, um, including with regard to China. But I must tell you, after I became governor of Indiana, I began to see things differently. I, I saw communities around my state that had literally been hollowed out, factories being shuttered and moved south of the border. Uh, and um, I also saw an increasingly um, aggressive pattern of trade abuses and ultimately military aggression by China. And um, and so when I joined the national ticket, it was something Donald Trump and I first sat down and talked about. He was very aware of my record. And I I I heard him out. I and and I I believe that our administration changed the national consensus on China. Uh, I think the American people now understand that that we can no longer tolerate uh, the trade abuses uh, and the military provocations of China, let alone human rights abuses against Muslim Uyghurs or Christians in their own country. And we need to send a strong message. But I think what surprised me was that as our administration introduced the principles of, of fair trade that, that balanced the interest of jobs and workers uh, in our country, we then went on uh, by the end of 2019 to enact the largest trade deal in American history, the United States-Mexico-Canada Agreement. Uh, as I write in the book, I was very involved in selling that around the country. I traveled to a lot of uh, districts, happened to be Democrat congressmen uh, who were holdouts on uh, on the USMCA, and we were able to move that trade deal forward. And I think we show that you, you don't have to choose between being pro-free trade and being for the American worker, you can you can do both, and you can do both in a balanced way. And I I believe the USMCA was a major improvement on NAFTA. I think it it removed many of the I, I must assume unintended incentives to move jobs south of the border. Uh, and before we left office, we were, we had already renegotiated the the course agreement with South Korea. We were in preliminary negotiations for a free trade agreement with the UK. Uh, and even the EU had approached us about a free trade agreement. So I think uh, changing the national consensus on China, standing strong on trade abuses with China as we did, that I'm pleased that the Biden administration is not undone. Um, uh, and, and, and what we were able to do to reform mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. trade in North America were significant accomplishments. I'm proud of it. Again, I suggest to our audience, this is a man of character who is willing to learn along the way as a politician from, and look at different perspectives, listen to different people. My only criticism, and because I don't want this to, this presentation on Vice President Pence to be just a puff piece, um, he was following the ideas of Donald Trump. And so I think he learned from that about changing the nature of trade and recognizing uh, how uh, our trade policies in the past were hurting American people. So 
I think he learned a lot, but it was not his original idea. That was not what he was seeing. He had some experience of knowing once he got to the governorship, uh, the negative impacts of our trade policies, but it wasn't until Donald Trump came forth and sort of said, this is going to be our national direction. And then he carried it out. So it's an interesting uh, perspective on uh, somebody who's willing to admit his mistakes, uh, learn along the way, and recognize the policy of the Trump administration that still need to be implemented in any new uh, Republican administration starting in 2024. Well, again, we're at the end of this segment. Let's take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. Hey, folks, this is Victor with the On Point with Victor show. Make sure you listen every Tuesday, 1 to 2, only right here on America's Web Radio, the On Point with Victor show. Remember, folks, I'm not angry. I'm just right. And you can find out why every Tuesday from 1 to 2, the On Point with Victor show, only right here on America's Web Radio. In 2009, the membership organization Docs for Patient Care was founded. People all around the country wanted to participate in the efforts of this group, and they wanted to join, but they were unable to do so unless they were physicians. It's for this reason that the Docs for Patient Care Foundation was created. Now, everyone can join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients, dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. While you're at your computer, please go to www.docs4patientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docs4patientcarefoundation.org and make a tax-deductible donation and join the fight along with us. Thank you. If you love classic cars, you're going to want to listen to The Classic Car Show with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello on America's Web Radio. Live every Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern at americaswebradio.com or on demand on your favorite podcast app. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the americasbroadcastnetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the segment of America's Web Radio and Healthcare Insight. I want to get right back to Vice President Mike Pence. He is opening himself up in this new book that he has called So Help Me God. I recommend anybody go out and get a copy of that book, download it on your uh, Kindle or however you uh, read your books these days. Um, it's an excellent read, and I'm in the middle of it, but I was so impressed that I wanted to make this program about his thoughts and the interviews that he's had on his book. Now, I want to talk because one of the main issues that he carried out that affected all of our lives uh, during his vice presidency was taking the lead on COVID. Um, that was an issue, again, that came up for the American people that would not have been anticipated prior to any election to know how to elect people that were thoughtful and could carry out efficiently and effectively the kind of dangers that we saw from covid and again, I give Trump personally, I give Trump a lot of credit for his insight before we knew what it was and the actions he took, like shutting down travel from China within days, within a day or so of hearing about this COVID issue and his suspicions about what the Chinese might do. His suspicions, the president of the United States, Donald Trump's suspicions about the communist China and what was going on. Uh, led him to make decisions that many experts uh, said um, were not appropriate. They, he was uh, xenophobic by shutting down trade from China before he knew what was really going on. 
but carrying out the policies again, did we have an efficient, effective process of cooperation once the policy was set in place? And that was the job of Mike Pence. So I want to ask the uh, the vice president um, about those policies that he carried out. And uh, did we get the right balance of shutting down businesses, of getting cooperation on the production of goods and services, of uh, the economic issues that we had to face and the government paying people while uh, they were out of work to keep businesses and the economy from shutting down and, and having a hard time ever recovering. So did we get the policies that were implemented? Did we get them right? And uh, do you have any regrets about what was done uh, during that uh, pandemic? Well, I'll let history be the judge, and I'll live with it. But I will tell you, from the moment I was tapped to lead the White House Coronavirus Task Force at the end of February, um, what I what I tried to chronicle, particularly in the book, was those early days where we didn't know what we didn't know. We didn't know how serious this was. We actually didn't know how lethal it was. We didn't know how contagious it was. And the only thing we knew for sure is that we lacked testing of the magnitude that we would need to protect the country, that we lacked supplies, um, that that there was a shortage of equipment like ventilators in America, that if, if what happened in northern Italy, if what happened in China was actually happening all across the United States of America, uh, we would have lost lives um, uh, uh, of, of a magnitude and, and, and a scale um, unimaginable simply because people would not have had access mm-hmm. to the treatment that any one of us would want a family member to have. And the title of one of those chapters is Only in America because I think I think one of the great stories is what the American people did in those early days of COVID. And we're prepared to do to put uh, the interest of the nation first and particularly free enterprise. The response of our nation in COVID was an incredible affirmation of free enterprise. I'll never forget the day we one of our early briefings um, uh, after an early few weeks where there was not much politics being played. Democrats on Capitol Hill began to routinely bring up new issues the press would ask. And one of them was, why aren't you using the Defense Production Act? Right, fair question. The president was at the podium that day. And he got the question, why aren't you using the Defense Production Act? Democrats in Congress want to know. And the president answered, well, we're looking into it, we're this and that. And then as he and I were walking down the narrow hallway back to the Oval Office, he kind of punched me in the arm and said, how come we're not using the Defense Production Act? <laughs> and I looked at him and I said, because nobody said no. Yeah. And he said, what? And I said, every company, large and small, that we called to do anything, dropped what they were doing and repurposed entire manufacturing lines to create the masks, the gowns, the rubber gloves, the ventilators that the American people would need. It was one of the most inspiring things I ever witnessed in my life. The companies that that created out of whole cloth the testing that literally tens of millions of tests became available to the American people in a, in a matter of, of just a few short months. I mean, 
And then, of course, the incredible accomplishment that usually takes five to seven years of creating a safe and effective vaccine within nine months. It's all a tribute to American innovation, American free enterprise, but also the generosity of spirit in this country uh, where the American people just stepped up and didn't wait to be asked. Vice President, you lay all that out in your book in a lot of detail, but you also lay out the unsung heroes, the people who kept everyday activities going on for, uh, you know, food and clothing and housing and the basic essentials of living. Um, tell us the story uh, from your book about somebody that you felt really was that kind of unsung hero that did their job, the um, you know, followed what they thought was the right thing to do, their duty, if you will, during this crisis. Unsung heroes include your grocery store operators. Um, I, I end the one chapter with the story of a girl, um, and uh, she had a debilitating genetic condition that made her immune system vulnerable. And she was a bagger at the grocery store. <laughs> And her boss told her, you don't have to come in. And she told her parents, I got to go. She said, my, my regular customers need me because people are afraid. And she went. She got COVID. I actually met her parents at Arlington Cemetery when they were interring her remains there alongside her, her, her father. And um, there were legions of stories like that across America where people, people set aside their own personal safety or concern and just looked after others, and uh, uh, and we got through it. Are there lessons to be learned? You bet. And I think, I think we ought to, before the next 100-year pandemic arrives, we ought to internalize the lessons from this one. But uh, I'll always be proud of what the American people accomplished, particularly during those early days of the COVID pandemic. Well, Vice President Pence, let me change directions a little bit, and let's talk about your relationship to President Donald Trump. He still has tremendous followers out there. He still has people who believe in the policies he implemented, recognize his personal flaws and his his style of dealing with other people, uh, but like his policies. So I want to talk to you about his style, his demand for loyalty, and whether that's a two-way street. And whether it was a two-way street within that administration, um, you were very loyal to him in so many different ways. And even today, you don't talk against uh, President Trump. You highlight the policies. You maintain the value of the relationship that you had and your uh, belief in the ind- individual uh, as a politician, even though you have different personalities and you like, point that out clearly. But you don't distance yourself from what happened uh, for the most part, during the administration. So it, was President Trump loyal to you and to other members of his administration? How did that work um, as a um, as a, a mutual club of respect for what people's ideas and policies and how they efficiently or didn't efficiently carry out any particular policy? Um, was he loyal to everybody around him? Well, I, I would leave that judgment to others. Everyone's entitled to their judgment of that. But I want to say, as I wrote in the book, 
President Trump wasn't just my president, he was my friend. We really developed a close working relationship, which I know surprises people. <laughs> We're a little bit different. But from the very first time he interviewed me for the job, when at Bedminster, I asked him what the job description was for a vice president if he won the election. And he said, active. Yeah. And I said, what do you mean active? And he said, I mean, you know, you know Congress, and you've been your governor, and you know foreign affairs, you're on the Foreign Relations Committee, so, you know, I want you to be active around the country, on Capitol Hill, around the world, and we were. And uh, the trust that he placed in me, whether it was working to pass the tax cut, uh, historic tax relief for the American people, rolling back regulation, advancing trade reform, negotiating a ceasefire uh, with President Erdogan in Turkey was very humbling to me. But it was a reflection of the relationship uh, that we forged. And uh, it isn't that we didn't have differences, and I recount uh, a few of them in the book. Um, but during the administration, I thought it was always important that that I express my opinion to the president in private. And the relationship between the president and the vice president is very unique in all the American government. And um, I, I, I never wanted to ever be in a position where, where there's any daylight between me and the president. Uh, loyalty is the essence of a vice president's job. The only higher loyalty you have is to God and to the Constitution. And, you know, that's what set into motion, despite my efforts to communicate my position to the president for weeks before that fateful right. day, the confrontation that occurred between us and uh, um, the mayhem that ensued that day. Well, president Trump was a very strong personality. He took a position, he took it hard, he uh, made it known to the American people, what he wanted to do, and whether you liked it or didn't like it, he was pretty strong. Uh, give us some insight as the vice president. How flexible was he in a number of issues where you were able to change his mind or give him information that uh, maybe he didn't want to hear, but that he was responsive to it? Um, and just, instead of just carrying out his orders um, and his ideas, how did you wind up changing uh, maybe some of the areas where – Trump needed to have some additional guidance or input from you. During our four years serving together, I saw a number of occasions where the president, he had a, he had a, a pension for taking a very strong stand on something, but I had seen moments where in quiet counsel he would eventually find a somewhat different place to be. Well, Mr. Vice President, let me stop you there. I know our audience wants to hear more about those moments and the relationship between you and the president. And I know you're very hesitant to even talk about those sorts of things because you value the confidence and the loyalty that you have with him not to disclose uh, those kinds of personal uh, discussions and conversations you had with the president. And I know that you're humble enough not to want to take credit for some of the changes that may have been made or how you have influenced him. So Let's take a quick break, and I want to come back, and I want to do a final segment, a little bit more on that relationship that you had with President Trump and some insights maybe people uh, can't get from anyplace else uh, but somebody who was as close to Trump as you were. Veteran-owned, America's Web Radio would like to thank all of our incredible patrons. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. 
If you are not already a patron, you can help us continue to produce some of the most informative and entertaining shows on the internet by becoming a patron. Patrons of America's Web Radio are the first to receive information about new shows and links to the latest podcast episodes. Join now and receive a free gift while supplies last. For more information and to join our family, please visit www.patreon.com slash America's Web Radio. If you have questions, contact us at gm at americaswebradio.com. And as always, thank you for listening. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your healthcare freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio and the interesting, exciting, insightful discussion that we're having with Vice President Mike Pence, who's the likely candidate to run for the Republican nomination for president in 2024. It may come down to between he and Ron DeSantis and President Trump trying to get reelected. But this is an interesting insight, I think, in listening to the actual words from a new book that the vice president's put out. Um, and the title of that book is So Help Me God. And he wears his faith uh, openly and honestly. And this discussion, I think, gives us some great insight to areas that we may not have fully seen or appreciated or only heard media reports about. So I want to ask the vice president about that fateful day of January 6th. But I understand leading up to that, what was happening in the White House? What was happening with the discussions uh, prior to that January 6th gathering that the president had and the ultimate need for the vice president to certify the electoral college votes in the U.S. Congress when it sits He's, his job at that point is to have the peaceful transfer of power. And he felt very strongly that he could not individually uh, make a decision to exclude certain electors and accept others or to uh, basically ask for a, a re-election by discounting them all. Can one person in a democracy like ours under our Constitution have that kind of power? He totally and completely disagreed with the president on the ability for him to change the outcome of the election. So I want to ask about those fateful days leading up to January 6th and what was happening uh, behind the scenes. Was he uh, trying to convince the president? Did he think he could convince the president to change uh, his thinking? Um, there were lawyers that were telling the president, speaking in one side of his head, speaking in his ears and telling him that, you know, he – uh, he could overturn the election, that Vice President Pence was the uh, was the key to all that. So, uh, Mr. Vice President, give us your insight as to what was going on during that period of time. I'll never forget the night, not of um, January 5th, but of January 4th. Because, I, I, as you said, I'd, I'd made it very clear to the president what I thought my obligation was under the Constitution. I mean, no vice president in American history had ever asserted 
unilateral authority to decide which electoral votes to count and which not to count. In fact, there's no idea more un-American than the notion that any one person could choose the American president. The presidency belongs to the American people and the American people alone. And I'd made that clear, and I'll never forget. I had done a rally in Georgia in the morning, and then in the evening I was watching his rally as I was. I made a habit of doing uh, throughout our four years, I'd catch a bit of what the president was saying out on the road. And he stood up and literally opened his rally by talking about me. And he told the crowd, our great vice president has got to come through for us. And the crowd cheered. And then he said, you know, and if he doesn't, maybe I won't like him as much. But then he caught himself. And he looked at the crowd, shook his head, and said, no, no. There's one thing you know about Mike Pence is he'll always play it straight. And the crowd applauded, which blessed my heart. But I remember looking at the television and turning to my wife and saying, I think he's coming around. I think he's coming around to understand that whether he believed with, whether he, whether he saw the constitutional provision the same way I did, that I was doing in my heart of hearts what I knew was right and what my oath of office required of me. Um, but sadly, it was not to be. Well, Mr. Vice President, let's turn to sort of current politics. We just had an election a few months ago, a 2022 midterm elections, and the Republicans did not see the red wave occurring. And some think it's a failure of the Republican Party. Some think it's a, a failure of Trump-selected candidates. Uh, some think there need to be a, a major shift in the strategy or the messaging for the Republican Party. Um, how do you see it? What what was the problem with the Republican Party? Was it that Donald Trump uh, helped to get through the nomination process, the primaries, candidates that weren't able to win in the general election? I see it. I see it somewhat different. I mean, I, I campaigned in 35 states over the last two years. And I, I have to tell you that the, there was a red wave in lots of places around the country. I don't know if you noticed uh, uh, Iowa now, every member of Congress in Iowa for the first time in 80 years is a Republican. Uh, we saw landslide victories in places like Georgia and Florida and Texas statewide. We elected four new members of Congress from New York. I mean, literally, the majority makers in the House of Representatives might be four new congressmen from New York. Kudos to my friend Lee Zeldin for running a brilliant and courageous campaign. Um, the common denominator that I... Candidates that were focused on the future, on bringing proven conservative solutions to the challenges the American people are facing today, did well. Candidates that were focused on the past, particularly those that were focused on relitigating the past, did not do as well. And I, and I think, and I, I think as you look in one race after another, that theme recurs. I, I said when I went in and campaigned for Governor Brian Kemp, who again, A, didn't need my help, B, ran a, has been a brilliant, successful conservative governor and ran an extraordinary campaign, but I was there the night before the primary. A primary that was largely being litigated on this question. I mean, his opponent, who's the man I respect and who served in the Senate when I was vice president, 
was was running with the support of the former president on a look backwards. Governor Brian Kemp was running on his record, a strong, proven, conservative record on fiscal and social policies, on crime and on jobs. He won the primary by 50 points. And I, but I said the night before the primary that the people of Georgia had an opportunity to send a deafening message across the country that the Republican Party is the party of the future, and they did. And then Brian Kemp defeated easily the most formidable Democrat opponent in the country uh, by seven points. Stacey Abrams raised $100 million, but again, by staying focused on the issues the people of Georgia cared about and focused on solutions for the future, uh, he prevailed. So I, I, I don't think it's so much about personalities or any individual. It's about focus. Okay. And the future of the Republican Party is bright because I believe we will produce leaders at every level that, that are going to focus on those issues, bring real conservative solutions to those challenges, and lead America to a boundless future. Well, I guess that answer really shows that uh, Mike Pence is a polished politician, if you will, in response to that question. Clearly, uh, his focus on the future versus the past uh, being the determining factor on some of these elections is another way of basically saying, if you go in the back and then uh, talking about the 2020 election being stolen and being supported by um, uh, by Donald Trump and trying to make that case to the American public, that was a losing message. Um, he's not going to go back and relitigate that um, uh, that election, but he, Mike Pence himself is looking forward to the future, having faith in the American people, having faith in the Constitution, having faith in God. Uh, uh, we are a uh, divinely uh, inspired country to solve many of the world's problems. We have done it as a country, uh, raising up more people out of poverty and destitute uh, circumstances than any other um, governmental system or country in the history of the world and certainly still is at that point as a prime example for people around the world to come uh, to the United States for the prosperity and the opportunities that it it offers. So he's focusing, Mike Pence is focusing on the future, on the goodness of the American people, on the goodness of our institutional structures to protect the rights and freedoms of people. It's a great way to recast it because the media is clearly going to try to find a way to pit um, Mike Pence against Donald Trump uh, in any campaign they might have. And I don't think that Mike Pence is going to take that bait. And so I think he has found a way of explaining it without sort of castigating uh, the issues or the problems on President Trump. Well, Mr. Vice President, let's revert back to foreign policy. Uh, tell me about your interpretation of the successes and list out a few, if you will, of the successes of the foreign policy of the Trump-Pence administration. You know, I'm very proud of uh, the foreign policy record of the Trump-Pence administration. And we stood with Israel as never before. We recognized Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, and it resulted in the first new peace agreement in the Middle East in 25 years. Another thing I'm proud of is that ours is the only administration in the 21st century where Russia did not attempt to redraw international lines by force. And I, I believe there, that was no accident. I believe it was because we made historic investments in our national defense, 
the largest increase in our national defense since the Reagan administration. And then, frankly, we allowed uh, our military uh, to prosecute America's interests in the world, whether it be cruise missiles into Syria when they used chemical weapons, whether it be a strike that took out the most dangerous terrorist in the world, Qasem Soleimani, or whether it be the historic accomplishment where the armed forces of the United States destroyed the ISIS caliphate and took out their leader. Um, these things left the world more secure and America more secure. Um, and uh, and so now we live in a time after the disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan where I believe the enemies of freedom around the world have been emboldened. Uh, I said many years ago, weakness arouses evil. But peace comes through strength. And, and we prove that in so many ways. And I think this is a moment of real testing for the United States and for the West. That the United States of America is the leader of the free world. And, and we are in this moment leading the free world and, and the West is following to give the people of Ukraine the resources they need to defend themselves and defend their sovereignty. And so we must continue. Well, Mr. Vice President, can you give us some final thoughts on how we move forward as a country? How do we move forward with the leadership that we need? What is your view, just wrapping up uh, this segment, and we so much appreciate you uh, giving your thoughts and ideas on uh, America, the policies, what happened with, between you and Trump and what happened on January 6th, and your ideas on, on some of the intractable issues. What, what are your final thoughts here? But it's going to take the kind of leadership that could bring people together on our highest ideals. It's going to take leadership that speaks to the hearts of Americans. Um, but I know we'll find it. Uh, I, I, I believe in I believe in the American people. My faith in them, my faith in God, tells me that uh, we'll solve these intractable problems. And uh, um, and. Uh, if the good Lord and the American people have any more use for the Pence family, we'll do our part. Well, there you have it, audience. Ex-Vice President, former Vice President, Mike Pence. He's a man of faith, a man of God, a Christian who believes in this country, believes in the Constitution, has shown over and over again his level of integrity. I invite all of you to... Read his book to study the candidates that will be available for 2024 presidency. We all see how powerful this presidency can be and how it can impact the lives of each and every one of us based upon their decisions, their executive orders, their leadership in getting Congress to move uh, in the right direction. So join us again next week as we'll talk more about public policy and issues related and affecting your lives. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.